Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Convert Central. I'm Kevin Sidik Lim, the host of Convert Central, and I'd like to welcome you to Season 3 of Convert Central. Our podcast focuses on the challenges that Muslim converts face along their conversion journey to help Muslims from all backgrounds to find a strong foothold in Islam. Follow our Instagram and LinkedIn page at Convert Central, and I look forward to sharing with you all the beneficial series we plan for the year. For now, I'd like to welcome you to Season 3 of Convert Central. Welcome back to Convert Central. So Alhamdulillah, uh, we have finished up our Rabi Awal series, a short two-episode series where we talked about the significance of the life of Rasulullah in the lives of the converts uh, from the lenses of a few of our guest speakers and my co-host, last episode, which was Hafiza. So um, today, in November, we actually have a big series coming. And if you guys recall, uh, if you guys have been following us since last November, right? last November, we did a series about women. We had a women series. And then this year, we kind of went back to the drawing board and we were thinking, how, how can we talk about women in, in a more balanced sense that would actually impart the objectives that we, that we want to get through to, to you guys, to the audience, to help you guys understand, uh, you know, kind of like introduction to how gender is in Islam. And, and we realized that we kind of have to come with a more balanced approach. So this year, in November, our, our gender series will be not just focused on women, but also focused on the men in Islam, the uh, gender roles and responsibilities and how Islam kind of assigns this uh, gender as well as the roles. So what I'm going to do today is um, firstly introduce our guest speakers and my co-hosts. And uh, alhamdulillah, today with us, we have a very, very blessed company today. We are joined by Ustaz Dr. Firas Yahya. Uh, alhamdulillah, in, in which uh, we've got the pleasure to know since uh, the first few months we, we converted. I already heard of Ustaz Firas Yahya because he is always so uh, active at Darakam. He's always giving causes and, and everyone just speaks about how knowledgeable he is. So alhamdulillah, you know, we are, we are so grateful. We are so blessed to have his company with us today. And with that, uh, today I'm also joined by two co-hosts of our, uh, our team members. The first co-host would be Sis uh, Hafiza, in which you guys have already acquainted yourselves with her in the last two episodes. And the new host that we have today will be Dini. So Dini is from our events team, and I'm, I'm sure they'll have a lot of good points to add. Uh, and since this episode, you, kind of, kind of, you can kind of see, uh, we are quite balanced in terms of gender. We have two sisters and two brothers on the podcast, so we hope that it will be a balanced episode for everyone that's listening. So what I'm going to do now is, I'm going to try to set the stage and introduce problems that we're trying to solve, uh, kind of put it into perspective of why it's important to understand gender in Islam, and as a Muslim as well. And then subsequently, I'll pass it to Hafiza to start off the episode. What we kind of saw when we wanted to plan this series is that as a convert coming to Islam, we realized that it's quite confusing sometimes because we, we don't really have a proper guideline to understand gender. As a non-Muslim growing up, I was quite subjective in terms of my understanding. Uh, at a point of time in my life, I would think gender is this. And then I get acquainted with a different group of people and, and the understanding would change. And then you come into Islam and, and you kind of realize that Islam has a particular stance. But as well, there, there are so many different groups that are saying um, they, are, they are advocating different things that will also get us confused. But what we're going to do today is, is we're we going to try to give an introduction of definitively what is the principle that, that most Muslims hold to, right? And, and in today's world, we can see that there are a few groups of people, right? When it comes to women, there are two kind of main ext- extremes, right? The first group of, of people in, in certain societies around the world, they believe in the restriction of, of women rights um, brought forth by beliefs stemming from perhaps cultural practices and beliefs, right? Uh, we, women shouldn't be educated. They shouldn't leave the house. We, we, we do see that kind of groups. Alhamdulillah, not, not so much in Singapore, but in other countries, we do see. Um, I think more closer to home, we have a group of people in our society, including Muslims, who are more influenced by the Western thought, um, the proliferation of, of their thought processes in, in of multipolarism, where everything is not wrong, you know, everything can be correct. And also subjectivism, which I grew up believing that, you know, uh, it just, just depends on, you know, if, if he sees it this way, then it's valid as well. And, and what we essentially try to do, right, as Muslims, is we try to be moderate. You know, the solution to, to one extreme is not the birth of the other extreme on the opposite spectrum, but rather to come back to the moderate practice of the Prophet Sallallahu That's what we try to do as Muslims. And, and this is not just limited to, to women, right? Because we are talking about gender today and we have to talk about men as well. What, what about men? What, what kind of issues we face in our society today? On one side, we have the uh, rejection of, of very masculine um, values in popular culture and life, right? Nowadays, uh, they, they, I think they were just talking about James Bond and, and how James Bond should be played by just not just an actor, but this role can also be played by an actress as well, right? And nowadays, we, we do see videos circulating around that sh- uh, chauvinistic acts like offering uh, a female your seat on a bus can be also seen as gender inequality. 
and this is this is growing as well right and and, and we men we face these issues in our lives on the other side uh, we, we also have a group of people in our society that holds on strongly to the historical perception of manhood defined by people like james, james bond people who are so rugged and so tough emotionally they don't cry and everything and this perception has been in my mind for as long as i can remember so what what is the the model that we should be following right and of course in in islam we believe that the prophet sallallahu he gives us the model to believe in when it comes to uh, the, the model of men, the characteristics of men. And we go into a little bit of that in this series as well. So just to put it into perspective, right? Is it then important to understand gender in Islam as a Muslim? Can we just move on in our lives without understanding it? Perhaps not, right? Because when it comes to uh, being a Muslim, our faith is really circled around our interactions with people, how we treat the opposite gender, the people around us. And with the changing world today, we kind of need a strong unweaving rope of guidance. Uh, that we can go back to any point of time when we feel a bit distressed or doubtful about what we believe in, right? If you think about the issues that we face, um, we talk about women issues, and, and I fall prey to this kind of misconception as well. We men or we, uh, one particular gender, tends to think that the, the issues of a, an opposite gender is not our business, right? If it's a women issue, then perhaps they can, they can settle it and we try to not approach it. But we don't realize that um, when it comes to women issues, or men issues, it doesn't just affect a gender in itself. And a society that ill-treats their women also, in a sense, ill-treats their men. We transgress the limits that was set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we, we wrong our women and consequently we wrong ourselves, correct? The liberation of the, of, of the issues that women face is the liberation of the Muslim community. And in the same line, the, the liberation of the issues that we men face as Muslims also is the liberation of the entire Muslim community. In fact, um, this is why we make the podcast, because how can we understand women issues without understanding the issues that men face as well? And when we come back and we form a nice picture, then we can understand what we should do as Muslims, correct? Especially in today's society, when we, we have countries that don't have systems that encourage the correct values that the Prophet advocated, us, the common people, our contribution to the society now becomes much more important. We show the correct values of Islam and how to treat the opposite gender through our own actions. That is more important nowadays than, than, than any other point of history. Because today is a world that is so subjective, everything changed, everything is a shifting goalpost that our behavior now becomes so much more important. So, so now, now the question comes to how, right? How do we then free ourselves from the shackles of these thought bubbles and find a defining guideline? And with that, we hope that this series is the way to start. Inshallah. And we hope to help you guys, um, be it you guys are converts or exploring Islam or, or born Muslims trying to learn about um, uh, gender in, in Islam. We, we try to help you to understand the wisdom behind the following things. Not us actually, but Ustaz Fadal's Yahya today. Uh, and we also talk about the wisdom behind segregation of gender, assignment of roles, and, and subsequently address the misconceptions or some questions about gender roles in Islam. So this is what we're going to do today. Inshallah, we hope that this intention is fulfilled. And uh, Inshallah, then I will pass the time on to Hafiza to start on with the first question. So Bismillah Hafiza. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hello everybody. Nice Hello. to meet everybody back, <laughs> back again. So I think uh, just stepping on to on two points that uh, Brother Siddiq was mentioning. Before we start, I think we tried to align our intentions and I feel that everybody listening uh, should also, inshallah, have the same intentions in the sense that the questions we are asking today about gender, we try to ask them with the intention to increase ourselves in faith and not to try to disprove or find fault with the religion that is already perfect. And it's humans, us, who sometimes take things out of context and make it imperfect. So we try to keep that um, alignment in terms of our intention and uh, just recognize that we are limited in knowledge and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is, has infinite wisdom and infinite knowledge. And what we're trying to do here today is just try to understand our level best of that wisdom that he has. Yes, and also another thing that he was mentioning about how men and women come together, I think that is very, very relevant, especially in Islam, as much as there is the separation of gender when we pray and all that, we are actually very interconnected and intertwined because in Islam, a lot of uh, worship or acts of worship is actually focused on uh, doing it as a congregation, as a community, and we actually get a lot more blessings and uh, barakah when we, because we follow the sunnah and the sunnah um, emphasizes a lot about doing it together as a community, be it to eat together, to learn together, to even breakfast together. So inshallah, I mean, we will learn uh, and try to perform more acts of sunnah with more understanding of both genders in this series. Okay, and with that, let's move on to the first question of today. So the first question that we have is, what exactly is the concept of gender in Islam? So 
the, the concept of gender in Islam is something that has been the same for 1400 years. So this concept is something that a lot of non-Muslims coming into the religion or observing the religion from afar have a lot of questions like, how come this religion ah, from last time, the girls still wear the same things, then the guys still pray the same way. And I myself uh, have had uh, moments of doubt, lah, like actually we are wives. So I think this question is very important to get right because this is the foundation and the fundamentals that we need to get right before we move on in the series. So because of that, I would love to get Ustaz to answer this question first. Why is this concept of gender unchanging in Islam, Ustaz? Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Uh, thank you, uh, Sister Hafiza, for that very challenging question. Let me reframe back your question. Your question is about why is uh, gender not changing in Islam? Right, where we look around and we see other religions, their role of genders, their perception of genders, keep on changing. Now, there is, of course, a short answer and a long answer. The short answer is that, you know, if things change, then the religion is relative. Religion is relative to time and space and whatever people want. So the religion is actually the product of what people want. But if the thing in religion is fixed, it shows that what is in that religion does not come from the whimsical wish of man according to time and space, but it is what has been fixed by the creator and the creator knows best. If we believe that our creator, the one that creates us, who creates everything and therefore has infinite wisdom, and therefore our wisdom, what we think, what is happening, what should, what should be the right thing to do, cannot supersede what the one who has the infinite wisdom has, has decreed. Uh, so therefore, if let's say right now we say, okay, the role of man and woman has to change to keep up with time. So Islam has to change also. But what about in the future? And then those people in the future will fought us. Say, Look, you are so backwards. We have to change and keep on changing. So where is the end point? Where is the fixed point in that religion? So we have to have a fixed point in that religion whether you like it or you don't like it, because we go back to one to the one who set down the rules. Now, the one who set down the rules said, okay, these things is fixed, it cannot be changed, but certain things can be changed. Certain things are flexible, certain things is fixed. There's no argument about it. You, you cannot change it to, to whatever you want. There's quite a short answer or can be a long answer, it's up to you. Lah. Now, if you want to have a long answer, you have to go back to uh, really how God created men. See, we know from the Quran, that uh, Allah created the first human being, whether it is male or female, regardless of that, but it comes from one, just one gender. Now, if you want to talk about that gender, male or female, that what uh, Brother Siddiq said just now, you have to have another perspective. Then you can, you can balance it. Okay, this is male because it's a female. If there's no female, then who is this male? So we just have one human being and without any assigned gender that we can call him. Of course, we know that the gender is male. Right, but because we know it's male, because after that God created female, so we know that okay, opposite of female is male, so we call this this person, this first man or this first person as as male. So God created the first human being. So what happened after that? God gave him whatever he wants. God put him inside paradise. He has whatever he wants inside paradise, except for just one thing: do not eat from the fruits of this tree. That's one thing only. Whatever the reason, do not come close. That's a test for him. So even inside the paradise, there's a test for the first human witch, whom we call as Adam. But with everything that he has, all the luxuries that he has, there's still some emptiness in him. He needs to find something to, 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 to fill in that gap. So he needs something. I said, this is why we can see that, you see, humans are not solitary creatures. We need people around us to complete our existence. That is what God has created the psychology of us. So therefore, God created another human beings. Now, you can see that if he's so, I mean, he's, he wants a companion in paradise, why not create another human beings of similar structure, similar gender to him? Why created a different gender, a completely different gender? Of course, uh, outwardly it's the same, but there are, there are differences in, in male and female. So why created these human beings of a different, slightly different structure than than the first human being. There must be a reason for that. All right? 
And the reason, and the very clear reason is that all these animals and plants, they are of the different gender. They, they come in pairs. They are males and, and females. Therefore, when everything on earth is Allah created in pairs, so therefore, when Allah wants to put Adam on earth, so Allah wants to put Adam also in pairs. So it, it, it's seen with the nature, nature sort of thing that is happening on, was happening on earth during that time. And why it comes in pairs, male and female, so that the species can propagate. But, but God also shows his power that species can also propagate without different genders. You have just one gender and then that, that species can propagate. You just look at virus, just look at bacteria. That's one, one you know, an example. Uh, of course, you don't have to look at animal. You can look at earthworm, for example, at a sexual reproduction. But just look at the simpler, simpler things, bacteria, virus, they can propagate our, our cells. Right? They break up into two, four, eight, and so forth without any male and female. But you look deeper, then you can see that everything comes in pairs also. The DNA comes in double helix. It's still double helix. It comes in pairs. And then you have the ACGT. The AG and CT, it comes together. It comes in pairs. It does not come in odd numbers, ACGT and W. No, it's ACGT. It comes in pairs. So you break it up. So this thing must come in pairs. This thing must come in pairs. So you have two pairs in a double helix. So that uh, DNA break it up and, and then after that attach with the RNA which comes and, and then after that build up another DNA. So you have two, two cells. So everything comes in pairs. That is God's decree from the beginning, not just it comes with the creation of Adam salam, and the gender that comes with Adam. It is the, what they call it, the sunnatullah, the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this earth. I say on this earth, I do not know what happened out there because because the universe is so vast, there might be planets out there that God created with creatures uh, that can be, I mean, reproduce itself without any pairs, right? There's no limit to what God can do. God has unlimited power and unlimited knowledge. So let's come back to that. So God created his companion in the shape of the opposite gender. We call her as female. We give the pronoun as her because that's what is in our language. Right, but language does not dictate what is in reality, which is the biological difference between between the first person and the second person. So let's just go back to to, to the story of Adam myself. So he has so many things he can do in 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 paradise, but he still feel lonely until when God created his companion in the shape of what we call as female and. God give him the name Hawa. That is, of course, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the Hadith, not in the Quran. You can't find the name Hawa in the Quran. You only find the word Adam in the Quran, not Hawa. So we know her name is Hawa because that's what we can find in the Hadith. So only when he can find this companion that he feels that his life is complete in gender. So then God decrees that they come down to earth, then they reproduce. So the role of gender, right? Why God created two opposite genders is first and foremost for humans to, to reproduce. Uh, then after that, to complete each other psychologically uh, because we feel empty. People can't fight that because why? Because this is something that's been hardwired in our brain, in our creation. Basically, that's how I can answer it. Lah. Thank you so much, Ustaz. I love how you answered like a question that we haven't asked, but like we probably have in our minds, like why did God even create two genders, right? So thanks so much for like delving into that as well. I think that really provided a lot of clarity for people who have that question. And truly spoken like a doctor with all the DNA helixes, I think I just got like a blast from the past from a bio lesson. <laughs> so thanks for that. A very, very relatable and uh, relevant sharing, alhamdulillah. And I think uh, when you are mentioning how everything is created, in pairs and we created you in pairs even a verse in the Quran it actually falls very nicely into our next question that Sister Dini will actually be sharing with us right now so Sister Dini please Assalamualaikum everyone my name is Dini Hazika and together with our Bro Siddiq and Sister Hafi I am honoured to be your host for today's podcast I pray that Allah guides us towards becoming beneficial vessels for his knowledge uh, to reach you dear listener and may this session today bring you one step closer towards finding the guidance that you seek inshallah Amin. so actually right Ustaz subhanAllah I recall you saying in a different talk that there will be there will always be a limit to our knowledge as human beings there's only so much wisdom that each and um that all of us can know, right? Um, and there's so much wisdom to every single thing that Allah has created. 
and whatever has been fixed like you mentioned wasn't just fixed by just anyone but by the almighty creator who has infinite wisdom so honestly i fully understand as human beings sometimes you just want to understand everything before you follow and not because like we don't want to follow but because you just feel this need to understand first before you follow and i feel like this might be like a natural train of thought for human beings but from my experiences i think and please correct me if i'm wrong start but we are free to seek the knowledge but we have to acknowledge that there will likely be a limit to what we can know uh, because in this world we are only human and how can we fully understand all that Allah is and all that Allah does, right? SubhanAllah, um, but on that note, right, is that there is a common um, perception that Islam accords more privilege to one gender, namely the men, over the women. So is this something that is fixed in Islam or is this actually a misconception? That's a very good and relevant question, right, uh, about the privilege accorded to just one gender. Now, when you talk about uh, a privilege, right, you must be based on something you cannot just talk about privilege out of thin air privilege to what relative to what you're talking about okay we have the uh what they call it uh the majority uh the major race in a country have some privilege over the minorities in that country in what aspects you have to have some some you know uh, metrics to measure it so we talk about a privilege of one gender over the other gender right you must have some metric and you must have something to measure it Relative to what? People can just bring it up, say, just look at other countries, just look at Afghanistan, you just look at Pakistan, you look at other countries, so privilege being accorded to the males are, are more than the females, females are being, you know, constrained, you cannot go to school, this and that, blah, 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 blah. But are you talking from the religious point of view or from the cultural point of view? Or traditional point of view so you have to differentiate between that because people can can just mix around together and say that this is my tradition and it's also my religion right whereas it does not come from that religion for example uh female circumcision or fgm call it female genital mutilation which is happening and continue to happen in africa they equate it to islam they say no islam there is so-called female circumcision so i'm doing this fgm this is also female circumcision whereas that is just a tradition, a very cruel tradition practiced by the people over there. That's nothing to do with Islam. FGM has no place in Islam. When you talk about female circumcision, there is a very specific thing and procedure to do, which I'm not going to go into detail because it's not a platform. All right. So just an example. Uh, so people tend to confuse between what is uh, based in, in, in the scriptures, in Islam, and what is just tradition uh, practiced by these people in a certain place at a certain time. Now, let's go back to the question about the privileges. When you talk about male privileges, you are saying that there are non-privileges being accorded to, to females. And you talk about free privileges to female, you say that there are certain things not being accorded to the males. So it's always relative. When you talk about privilege to one gender, people can always raise up the issue that, well, the other gender also have privileges that we don't have. You don't expect the females to open the door for the males when they enter a shopping center. So when you talk about privilege, be very careful because it is a very relative word. We have to go back to the realities of gender-specific role, which some people say that, or some people look at it as a privilege, while other people say it is not a privilege, but it's a natural way of things. So that's why I said when people talk about privilege, we have to we have to differentiate between what is privilege, what is a gender-specific duties and roles right, assigned by the one who created both genders. And the one who created both genders differently, biologically, psychologically, differently. That's why they have this term, you know, uh, women's from Venus, men's from Mars, right? There is a specific role according to the biological uh, makeup of, of both genders. So let's just move away from uh, the word privilege. Let's just focus on what you call it as gender-specific roles and responsibilities and duties according to the biological makeup that God has created for each of these this gender. So we talk about uh, females. They have the role to carry another human beings and give birth to another human being and raise that human beings and psychologically attuned to that duties. To the point that I just read, you know, uh, this one article in BBC uh, that talks about the mom effect, the mommy effect on the brain. 
they did a survey and they found out that when women give birth or women has this pregnant and then giving birth, somehow or rather her brain is attuned towards raising that small human being to the point that she might forget certain things. She might forget names. She might forget other things. Then she said, I, before I got pregnant, I remember all these sort of things. But sometimes, somehow or rather, when I get pregnant, I give birth, I forget. <laughs> so that forgetfulness, they call it, uh, I think, the mummy effect or the mum effect or something like that. To add on, right, it's called the mum drain. My sister gave birth last year. And I really saw it happen before my eyes. Really? Because, yeah, like she really started to forget like where she put her phone, then like her schedule for the day. She lost her phone, like, in one day she can lose it three times. And it's, like, just in her room or in the toilet, in the weirdest places. Nah. And until now, there's still, like, remnants of this mom brain effect. Ah, that's the thing. So, this is what I'm talking about, the mom brain. Okay. So, why, why is it so? Because the brain has been so attuned to take care of the of the kids so that her whole focus will be on that small human being. So, even a slight, you know, a cry from that baby will, will give signal to the mom. If she has so many things to remember, she might be distracted from raising that small kid. So we can't fight it. That is how God has created it, right? So we, we're talking about gender-specific duties and roles, okay? So we're talking about privilege. You don't talk about privilege because we're going to talk about privilege. There is the opposite of it. The anti-privilege, which is the underprivilege. And we're talking about unfairness, you know, this and that, and all the incendiary things that comes from, from privilege and non-privilege uh, ideals. So we're talking about roles. And roles is very gender-specific and very biologically attuned. That's how God has, has assigned roles to us. Men, God has not given that, that so-called duties to get pregnant and give birth. And so, therefore, God gives men another role suited to the biological makeup of men. And so, therefore, men can be more focused. And because he can be more focused, he has the role to protect the family woman who gives birth, she does, she cannot, then she won't have to busy herself finding food and put food on the table and, and, and protect herself right? because she has another human being to do that role. So now who is the leader, who is the boss and who is not the boss? There's no such thing as who's the boss and who's not the boss. Both genders have roles to play to fulfill this grand scheme of things, which is what? to propagate human beings and then to reproduce so that there be more human beings on this earth. So that, that is the thing. So again, I would stress that there's no such thing as, as privilege. Now we're talking about, about uh, these very common uh, issues of why man does not have to cover his head and then why woman has to cover her head. Of course, right now we can't see uh, the real uh, reason biologically for it because the doors of knowledge has not been opened for us yet. As much as those people in the past, in the past they can't see why is the reason for this mom brain or whatever that we know right now because the doors of knowledge were not open to them back then, but it's open to us so we can see the reason for that. So therefore, we cannot pitch our understanding to the level of God. A cat cannot pitch its understanding to the, you know, the, the thinking process of its owner. The fact that you don't know the answer, it means that your power of reasoning has not reached to the level where you can understand things. And God has not given you the ability to understand the wisdom behind certain rules. So therefore, that is why, you know, uh, in Islam, uh, the Prophet said, we Muslims, our slogan is, Sami'na we listen and we obey. We try to look for the reasons for such for certain rules, but if we can't find it, doesn't mean that we do not have to obey it. We just have to keep on searching and looking for that reason without any prejudice to the, uh, the rules and regulations that God has sent down. We listen and we obey and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open up the doors of wisdom for us so that we can see it. So if really we want to understand our religion, why is this this, why is this that, we don't have to, I mean, resort to just, uh, I mean, uh, reading a lot of articles and thinking, contemplating. You will not reach to that answer. You might be still grappling for that answer. It might be right, it might be wrong. But the only way, the only path to find the true answer is from God. Because God sent down that rules. And of course, God knows what is the reason for that rule. We do not know. So if what God wants to tell us, we need to get closer to God. So get closer to God. Be more a dutiful servant of God. 
obey God as much as we can. Abstain ourselves as much as we can from things that are haram. So slowly God will open up the doors of knowledge for us. That's why I cannot give you a definitive answer why man does not have to cover his head, why woman has to cover her head. Of course, the common answer is that, oh, that is the outright of, of females uh, and the head is not the outright for male and people will go through down the rabbit hole. Then why is it outright for the female and not outright for the male? Oh, because the, the female's hair is beautiful, you know, there's a crown for her. And what if she goes bald without hair? Does she have to cover her head also? So you're going down the rabbit's hole. There's no end to that. To understand the wisdom behind certain rules. So that is my long-winded answer. <laughs> Back to Dini. Oh, MashaAllah, Ustaz. Thank you so much for that very insightful sharing. And I love the part where you said we should get closer to Allah if we have any questions. Uh, because, Bahanullah, I do think sometimes we forget that we really do have this direct line when we communicate with Allah, right? And He's Al-Mujib. Like, it's His name. He's the one who always responds. So if we are seeking answers, He says He will respond. Right? It's not a maybe. He says He will respond. And on that note, right, Ustaz, just to summarize a little bit what you were sharing about, I think... Um, in my own journey of learning, I've realized that we associate the roles that men play in Islam um, as a reflection that maybe they've been accorded more rights or are more superior to women, maybe because the roles that men play, they do tend to be more public um, than the roles that women uh, play because the women do tend to play more private roles, right? Um, but as you have mentioned, to my understanding, both genders have been accorded um, and been honoured with privileges in their own rights based on their own strengths and capacities. And as you mentioned, you know, it's inaccurate to claim that the more public roles that men play are necessarily more important than the private roles that females play, right? They're, they're both important. They're both equally important. And perhaps if we have these kinds of misunderstandings, we need to see if there are any other factors around us in the, our society or the community that is inaccurately uh, maybe according importance to one gender over the other. But we cannot always say it's Islam, right? I hope I have accurately encompassed what uh, Ustaz shared about. Um, and with that, I will now pass on the time to Brother Siddiq to ask the next question. Brother Siddiq, please. Thank you so much, Dini. And I uh, just also wanted to um, share some of my thoughts. I think uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, right, the reason why we've had two um, Muslim uh, males and two uh, female Muslims in this recording is to, is to give the kind of perspective from both genders, how we see what gender is in Islam from our side of things, right? So, so as, as, as a male, right, listening to your, your conversation thus far, I think I've been, uh, I've benefited so much. And two main things that, that I've learned as, as a male Muslim thus far, as a convert as well thus far, is that um, the basic principle in Islam is that is that there is full equality between men and women. Uh, with the measure of specification or distinction in certain areas, as we have brought up just now, uh, due to the differences in nature. Not, not the rights. Um, women are not accorded to do something specifically because uh, they should have less rights. Or men is not accorded to do something just so that men can have less rights. It's rather because it's more suited to the nature of that particular gender. And of course, there's so many examples, right? around us that we can see. And to go into one example would not only take one podcast in itself, but rather entire series to talk about them. So when it comes to certain uh, issues that we mentioned, the, the issue of covering up our aura, the issue of pregnancy, the issue of, of marriage and family, right? What we can do is, is we can try to understand. Of course, if we have some doubts, you can try to understand. But as Ustaz mentioned, you know, a big part of being a Muslim is, is to trust that these rules that are, are made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us to follow. He has quoted the ayat from the Quran. And another aspect of trust that I've learned in the discussions is that trust doesn't only come from one side, which is, oh, we, we all have to put our 100% trust on something that we don't understand. Trust comes from understanding who makes the laws as well. Understanding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the essence of Allah. And that's why it, for us Muslims, we have something called, we call Tawheed. Tawheed is understanding of Allah and His attributes. Understand why when Allah says something, we have full faith that it is the correct thing. Right? Because he's the all-knowing, number one, in, in super short and simple terms, he's the all-knowing, he's the all-wise, he is the one who has created us. We in creations are, are, are limited in our understanding. We've been blessed by getting a certain attributes of Allah. For example, the, the attribute of sight, the attribute of speech, the attribute of intelligence. But it's in such a limited sense that, as Ustaz mentioned, we cannot um, ascribe ourselves to be on the level that we can think the way that, that God thinks. And we have to acknowledge that, that limitation that us humans have. And how we can acknowledge it, it, that is to also see the, the truth in that, that was given to us, right? And I think this was something that has been mentioned in our marriage series and, and a few times in this podcast before that. So feel free to, to, to seek 
some clarifications. But beyond that, in which we know that it's our capacity to understand, realize that we're just splitting hairs here, then perhaps it's better for us to then put our faith in and put our trust in uh, along the process to, to so that we can, you know, practice uh, as Muslims and also understand the religion properly. So that's what I kind of learned as a male uh, that I came in today with, with not a lot of understanding about gender. And I'm so glad that uh, Ustaz and, and Dini and uh, Habiza, you guys really helped with clearing up the space for me. So I understand that there are some questions that uh, I think Dini and Hafiza you guys still have. And I'd, I'd like you guys also to, to share a little bit of, of what you guys have learned from your POV as a, as a female Muslim, right? What have you guys you know, taken away from this, from this podcast, inshallah? Inshallah. Um, let me just ask my question first. Uh, yeah. Before I- Right. So actually, um, start as growing up as, as a Muslim, right, and perhaps this is a reflection that I need to learn more. But I often like have this argument given to me that we wear, we have to wear the hijab, right, because we need to protect our modesty as women against the nafs of men. And growing up, I always couldn't reconcile that uh, responsibility. Like, why, <laughs> why is the responsibility given to me? Like, it's their nafs. Why do I am I responsible to protect myself against their nafs? So can you correct uh, this understanding if it's not correct? Is that okay? If you go back to the Quran, right in Surah An-Nur, there are two verses. Uh, I think it's the third page, or sorry, the fourth page in Surah An-Nur. Uh, it's a very you know uh, long two verses, but uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talks about uh, the covering of aura and also modesty. But interestingly, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala starts directing to the males first. Which means that say to those believing males, men, lower down your gaze and take care of your modesty. So the command is for the males first to lower down your gaze. But of course, you know, one hand cannot clap each other. You have need to, two hands to, to produce a sound. So then the second verse, only the second verse that Allah SWT directs to the females. And say to the believing woman, lower down your gaze also and cover up your modesty. Now, why Allah SWT never mentions about men covering up their modesty? It is because during that time, men has already covered their modesty. They already covered up their clothes. In fact, they're wearing two, three types, layers of clothes, you see, uh, over there. But the females there, right, during that time, they, they wanted to entice the males because there are a lot of prostitutes and this and that. And so therefore, they were revealing clothes, much like today's world. Lah. If you have it, flaunt it. If you have the flesh, show the flesh. So they showed the flesh, this and that. So they did not cover up their modesty, just like men. Men cover up their modesty, but women did not cover their modesty. So God reminded women again, cover up your modesty. Right, because you have to cover up properly. So, how to cover up the modesty? Then only after that, certain verses were revealed that you have to cover up this way and that way, and then the prophet clarified that okay, then the, the whole body of the females is is her modesty, uh, except for her face and also her hand. Of course, there are you know different opinions of scholars, whatever it is. Uh, why females have to cover and males do not? I mean, bear the brunt of that that last. Well, men has to lower down their gaze. But how many men lower down their gaze? That's the issue. Okay, then number two. Number two, then why should I cover my, my, my uh, I put on hijab, this and that. You know, all these other societies, they do not cover their, their hair and they do not have any lustful, uh, I mean, uh, gaze from, from the males. It becomes like a norm in the society. Okay, when you cover up, you know, you're building up that forbidden fruit syndrome. So people really want to know, hey, how come, how come, why is it, why is it? So you are building up that, that, that anxiety. So it's the opposite effect. They say that, right? So why you cover up? Might as well you uncover up so it becomes something that is common so people don't look at you uh, in lustful manner. Well, that is your logical thinking and your logical thinking might not reflect the reality. The reality is that male will always look at female with lust. Even though that female is not, not beautiful or even that female is young. And that's why we have, we have all these rape cases happening around even though uh, the victim is as small as nine years old, four years old, five, even babies being raped by men. So it's crazy, right? So there are crazy people out there. 
And so again, let's go back to the uh, the wisdom of covering. We really can just you know scratch the surface of the wisdom behind covering uh, the aura using uh, putting on the hijab. We just scratching the surface, but we really do not know the real wisdom behind it. Because why? Because God does not tell us. God does not inform us. Why? Because you're not privileged for that answer. So if you want to have that answer, make yourself privileged for that answer. And how to do it? Get close to God. Put on the hijab, right? And then God will tell you the reason for you to put on that hijab. Be close to Allah. Just like, you know, this one student of, of a great scholar, right? He had a last for a girl. So he seek advice from his teacher. He said, you know, I have lust for this girl, uh, but I cannot afford to marry her. So how to, you know, remedy this situation? And the sheikh just said that, go and pray. He said, what? We just go and pray? Yes, go and pray. Okay. And then he went praying and then he came back. But the lust is still there. And the sheikh said, keep on praying. Don't stop. It will come a time when you will see the reason for it and God will assist you to stop that, that last full wish and last full gaze towards other girls. And he did that and truly enough, God gave him uh, that privilege of stopping his desire and looking at the reason for behind certain rulings. So the moral of the story is that if you want to know the real reason, keep on doing what God asks you to do and God will give you the privilege to understand it. So that's my answer for this uh, common misconception. Allah Allah. Allah, thank you so much, Ustad. Uh, this was really such a beneficial session. Alhamdulillah, which allowed me to better appreciate Allah's wisdom in everything and to believe that He is all wise, all knowing in the creation of this beautiful religion. You know, honestly, as a Muslim myself, I I do find myself like sometimes having doubts, right? But ultimately, I do acknowledge that Islam honors women. And I remind myself, you know, sometimes when you find yourself in situations where we doubt that a little bit, where maybe we are disappointed by the creations, right? Uh, I remind myself to not rely on the creations, but to look back at what Allah has said uh, to his words in the Quran. And then we look back to how Rasulullah himself treated women. And subhanAllah, I immediately get comforted because we know that Islam really does honor women. Yay, okay, thank, thanks so much for all the sharing. I think uh, one thing that I was um, learning, I mean, not one thing, but there are many things that I learned, I guess, uh, in, this, in this podcast. And uh, at, at the most recent one that uh, Ustaz was just sharing about, about to get the wisdom or to understand the wisdom of Allah, the thing that we should do is actually to pray and get closer to Him rather than to keep questioning again and again. I think even when Ustaz was sharing, right, there was still questioning going in my head, like how... How come, like, when we talk about um the women needing to cover, it goes back to like to help the men prevent their lives. It goes back to helping the men. Why the men cannot help themselves? So I feel like this is a very chicken and egg situation, lah. You both side can argue forever, and like, why must I help you? Why must I help you? But Allah already give each of us our own roles. At the end of the day, we each have our own roles. We each have our own responsibilities. So inshallah, that would have helped uh, anybody listening as well. Uh, I think one of the questions that I had personally was um, when Ustaz was sharing about how there is eventually at the end of the day, there is no privilege. There is actually anti-privileges to different sides also. So when you balance it out, there is no privilege at the end of the day. No gender is superior over the other. But Ustaz, why then? Uh, why then in society uh, is more often than not that men are seen as the superior gender? Like if let's say really got no privilege, Allah made it such that there is no privilege, there is no superiority. Why, how, and why and how does society mold it such that men is superior over women and uh, women are being oppressed and women have no say or no rights? And this is just the universal view, not just in Singapore, but all over the world. This is the view that people have of uh, women in Islam. Why is it the case? That's my question. And I, I hope I'm, uh, I'm helping many non-Muslims or con con about to be converts ask this question because I feel like this is a question a lot of them have. Okay, yeah. But this issue is not just confined to Islam. I mean, this is a general thing, right? Uh, throughout human history, it's just, you know, the oppression of the uh, weak from the strong party. Uh, so the strong will always oppress the weak. Now, how you define strong and define weak, you de they define it by physical might. And of course, you look at both genders, male has more masculine than the females because the biological makeup of the males like that. How much the females wants to pump iron, the females cannot get the same, you know, muscular body like the male. It's impossible. 
because she is not being created that way. So when people just look from the point of you know physical uh, power, then you see this oppression of the the mighty over the weak. So when they say that I'm more powerful than you, so I'm more privileged than you, so you have to follow me, right? It's just like gangsterism, lah. Uh, so it, it, it you know it propagates throughout human history, and that's why Islam came in and Islam put things in perspective. It's not on just your physical might. In fact, the Prophet said that the strongest among you is not the one who can wrestle other people. The strongest among you is the one who can control your anger. Control your anger. It's not about physical might. It's about control your anger. And controlling the anger it means that you must have the intellect. You must have the power to, to keep check your emotion. right? And to keep check the emotion is that you can look further than what people can see. Stand, uh, stand back for a while and then take it over before you burst out with your emotions. So this, this is the characteristic of a strong person. And that is not gender specific because you know controlling anger is not for just for males. They call it is also for females. So God never said it's only for men. No, God said the strongest among you is not the one who can wrestle, but the one who can control the anger. So Islam comes in and put, the thing, put things in perspective so that people will not just look from their own limited view that uh, power, privilege, security just comes from, you know, masculine power, physical might, and just because, you know, you just go out and bring force and therefore uh, the one who's at home must listen to you 100%. And if you say black, it should be black, even though it is white, that is totally wrong. So again, let's go back to, to uh, what Islam said. Every gender has its own role and every gender has its own responsibilities to play. And, and therefore, um, there is no such thing as you are more superior or you are more privileged. Islam put everything in equal standing. In Quran, Allah SWT says, wal muslimun wal muslimat, wal mu'minun wal mu'minat, the believers, male and female, right? Uh, those who are Muslims, male and female, right? the one who prays, male and female, everything comes male and female, go to heavens, male and female. There's no such thing as male first or female. But certain things, God said, okay, this is only for males, not only not for females, because it's more suited for males. For example, like leading a prayer. Then he said, why can't woman lead a prayer? Woman can lead a prayer. Who says woman can't lead a prayer? But if the one follows you are all females. But if you lead a prayer and the one behind you is a male, can you ensure 100% that this male actually very sincere stand behind you just because he wants to worship God or he just stands you because he wants to look at your body? Can you ensure that he will not do that? You can't. Because, you know, there are a lot of, you know, screwed up males out there, right, who cannot think straight. That's why we have all these sex offenders. Uh, so uh, God says, no, you cannot. Let it just be males because females will not look at males as much with lust as much as males look at females with lust. Uh, so then you put it there. And then God created females. The voice projection is different from the male's voice projection. So males has a deeper voice and a stronger voice. So it's suited for him to be in front and give instruction and lead the prayer. So it's, it's different. So it's, again, gender-specific duties and roles and responsibilities. Thank you. Thank you so much, all three of uh, you guys, uh, for sharing your thoughts. Your questions, your your learning points, and of course, what we start sharing your expertise and also, uh, you know, your years long of experience with us. Subhanallah. Indeed, I I totally agree. Um, you said at the start of the podcast talking about the the metric in which uh power is assessed in society. In our society today, the roles of men have been accorded more uh prominence, right? If you are a leader, then you, you are seen as uh you know in a more high, higher position of power, but. You know, when we, when we come back to Islam, we realize that when it comes to when it comes to Islam, when it comes to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, He tells us that what distinguishes, you know, amongst Muslims, the acts of ibadah, the sincerity, the taqwa towards Allah, right? And and in that, you know, when we use that, when we apply that kind of metrics to to gender, we realize that that indeed there is no distinction. So Subhanallah. Uh, thank you so much uh, for all of you guys uh, come share your points, your POVs, and all. And I'd just like to end off this podcast by giving a short summary of. 
everything that has happened. We've, we've had so much discussions and I think even myself, everyone here who's present in the recording, we probably need to come back to this recording maybe two or three times listening to it and to get all the learning points that have been shared. And I'll, I'll just like to summarize by, by you know, giving a very short uh, paragraph about what we've discussed today. We started to talk about uh, gender from the concept of gender, how, how it arises. And, and Usta shared about the story of Nabi Adam and, and how his wife was created to, to fulfill the need that, that he had at a point of time. Subsequently, we went on to talk about whether privilege really exists. And that's when we actually brought in the, 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 the concept of the metrics to, to, to kind of assess privilege. And also, we, we had some thoughts on privilege as well. And anyone who wants to go back to listen to that, more than welcome to do so. And we, we went on to talk about gender roles and how it's assigned. And essentially, the basic principle is that, as we've mentioned, there's, there's equality, but the differences are due to nature. And subsequently, we, we, we talked about how then do we as Muslims reconcile, right, between some of the, 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 the acts of worship or some of the rulings that might be, uh, you know, catered specifically towards one gender. If we can understand, alhamdulillah, we can understand. If you're not able to do so, then we have to recognize that there is an important point of distinction between seeking understanding and, and seeking contention then as, as Muslims. We stop at the line where it's enough. If, if we were to go on further, then we will be just be engaged in pointless arguments and discussions trying to get to nowhere. And, and that's something what a responsible Muslim is encouraged to do. And for, with that is another wisdom of Islam that acknowledges the, the limitations of human capabilities. And subsequently, we, we end off with the POV from, from myself as a male Muslim and also from uh, females, from Sis Dini and Sis Hafiza as well. So, alhamdulillah, it has been such a fruitful podcast uh, in, in which we've discussed so much. And subhanAllah, I, I'm, I'm so happy that this was the introduction to our gender uh, to our gender series. In the next episode, we'll be discussing everything we've talked about has been related, related to wisdom of gender in itself, um, why this was created like that. In the next episode, we'll go a little bit about the real-life practical examples. And we'll, we'll do so by analysing what a marriage is in Islam. Uh, of, we've done our marriage series. I, we, we know that as Common Central, we've done our marriage series. But in, the, in this next episode itself, we'll be talking about the roles of the husband and the wife in a marriage to, to really kind of drive home the distinction. And inshallah, we will uh, also have a short FAQ at the end of the podcast to uh, address some of the questions that uh, converts and, and, and you know, bomb Muslims come uh, to us with, uh, with regards to gender. So at this point of time, I'd like to get uh, Ustaz, alhamdulillah, it's a pleasure to get you to help us to uh, end the podcast by reciting Tasbir Kafara and Surat Asr. Bismillah, Ustaz. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alamin. Ar-Rahmanirrahim. Maliki Yawmiddin. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqim. Sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim. Khayyuril makhlubi alayhim. Waladhalim. Amin. Subhanakallahu alayhim. Wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Al-Asrin al-Insana Rabbi Khusr. Ila al-lazina amanu amilu salihat. Wa tawasa bil-haqqi wa tawasa bil-sabr. Thank you, Ustaz. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.